Okay. Um, this is Richard Haig, Chairman of the Airport Advisory Board, and we're calling the meeting to order. It is 6.05, and we'll turn it over, have uh, Amanda give us the directions for the, Amanda Sahin from the city, of how we're gonna do the Zoom meeting. All right, Amanda Sahin, um, Airport Manager for the City of Lawrence, and I just wanna go through a few Zoom procedures. Want to provide a few reminders to ensure that the provisions of the Kansas Open Meeting Act are met. Board members, you must state your name and title each time you speak. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, the chair will call on board members individually to provide their vote. Chair, you will then need to announce whether the motion carried and the count for the vote. Um, there are other members of city staff present and they via Zoom and they must also state their name and title each time they speak. Individuals who signed up in advance to provide public comment remotely will be called upon. I don't really think there is anyone for that, but um, we do have a couple people on some items that we'll call on. Um, please unmute your listening device and state your name before you speak. The chair will call for any um, in-person public comment, which currently there's no one here um, without access to technology. If um, we do have someone show up, we will let you know and the three minute time limit will apply. The meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you're muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, I may mute or unmute people as needed. Each time you speak, please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. In the menu, you can also turn your camera on or off by clicking the video icon. For the purposes of this public meeting, please keep your video on during the meeting. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom, somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker and gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. And that is it. You may take all right. call. Is it easier? This is Richard Haig, chairman of the, of the airport board. Um, is it easier for me just to call names out and, and say that they're here? Okay, we'll just do it by a, a name calling roll call. We know Mike Kelly is not with us this evening, so he is absent. So we'll go by uh, Monty. Here. Don Kinney. Here. Clancy Maloney. Here. Dan Bourne. Here. Chris Coleman. Here. And did I miss anybody? Okay, the first item on the agenda is to approve the minutes from the last meeting. And it, has everybody had a chance to read those? And is there any changes or comments that they'd like to make toward the last meeting's minutes? Any public comment? Okay, with that, uh, no comments on that and no changes recommended. Do I hear a motion to accept the minutes as written? I'll move, this is Monte Sokup. I'll move to accept the minutes as written. Second. Seconded by Dan Bourne. So going through the, uh, the roll call, Monte, uh, yay or nay? Approved? Yay. Don? A. Clancy? A. Dan? E. Aye. Chris? Yay. 
Okay, pass it, and mine is yay. So it passes 6-0. The minutes are approved. Okay, next we'll receive public comment. Um, for the, anything that is uh, open in front of the board or dealing with the airport that people have comments about. Okay, we will move on. Um, we do have in our packets a request from Uplift Coffee to provide a food truck at the Lawrence Airport during football games. And uh, Scott will handle this one. Scott will introduce this to us. Scott Wagner. Great. Uh, my name is Scott Wagner. I'm an analyst uh, currently for the city attorney's office and uh, soon to be airport manager. And I'm happy to talk about this item. It was a few weeks ago that uh, city staff received an email from Chris O'Brien, one of the owners of Uplift Coffee in North Lawrence, kind of inquiring what the process would be to possibly uh, serve the airport uh, during uh, KU uh, football games. Um, with Uplift Coffee and or their um, soon to be acquired food truck. So uh, Amanda and I on April 19th, we met out at the airport with uh, Chris O'Brien and we had a, a good discussion with her that day and learned more about uh, Uplift Coffee and what their plans were and, and why uh, they thought this would be a, a good idea. And Chris is on the call tonight. I'm going to turn it over to her in a minute to explain more about uh, why she thinks this is a good idea. And staff agreed because uh, there's currently not a food uh, operator out at the airport on high traffic days. And if you're a pilot and you're stuck out at the airport, the food options are, are pretty limited. Uh, there's no restaurants around. And if you can't get uh, an Uber driver to bring you anything, then you're kind of stuck. So uh, staff was pretty pleased with what uh, Chris offered. And uh, I investigated this a little bit more in terms of the licensing. It's covered in chapter six, article 17 of the city code that regulates mobile food vendors. Uh, we learned at that meeting that Chris uh, had indeed obtained a um, mobile food truck license from the city. And that's part of your agenda packet tonight. Uh, they also have a license from the state, and that's part of the, uh, your agenda packet as well. And um, they have a newly renovated and pretty slick-looking food truck uh, that we also included a picture of in, in tonight's packet. And I think Chris said they were doing a, a test drive at the NASCAR race maybe last weekend, so maybe she can uh, speak to that. But uh, her letter to the board included uh, some of her ideas about how, how they plan to serve uh, at the airport on those high traffic days. Um, and one of the best things about uh, this proposal is that, you know, it's a North Lawrence company. You know, we're not talking about a Starbucks coming into the airport. Uh, this is a, a homegrown North Lawrence company. Uh, and maybe one of the best things about it is their logo. If you haven't seen it, it's it's on a picture of the truck. And what a better uh, looking logo to serve the airport than Uplift Coffee with little wings on the coffee, uh, coffee cup. Uh, perfect for airport service. Um, so in terms of process, 
the city code uh, allows this to happen uh, in chapter six with the permission of the property owner. So that's that's the city. I think upon the recommendation of the board tonight, we will get this uh, on a city commission agenda and uh, recommend approval. Um, Amanda and I recommended that uh, the truck be parked in a stall or two in the long-term uh, parking area. And we included a map of where that's at in case you're unfamiliar with that. And before the first KU football game day, I'm sure um, we'll do a test run and um, meet with Chris out on the site to work out the logistics of where the uh, best spot in that uh, lot will be for the uh, uplift food truck. So I'm going to turn it over to Chris O'Brien for a moment just to uh, talk to the board about her, her proposal. And she is from Uplift Coffee. And welcome, Chris. Thank you, Scott. Can you guys all hear me okay? Yeah. Well, good. Okay. Um, yes, as Scott mentioned, um, you know, we, we became aware of, of the need for um, some food out there at the airport. We actually have a family member who's a pilot, um, and he flies into Lawrence uh, Airport pretty frequently. And um, we noticed last year um, during game days where we would go and pick him up that there were so many pilots sitting out there that had they didn't have an option for food. Um, I believe one of the times we we felt so badly for him, we just went and bought a bunch of burgers from Dempsey's and took them out to them. Um, but we really recognized a need there um, to see, you know, whether it be something where we provide more of a box lunch type of a deal. Um, but then as things progressed and we moved into uh, operating a food truck, we thought this might really be um, an answer to to this need out there. Um, so what we what we propose to have on our truck um, would be items along the lines of um, we currently are doing burritos right now, but one thing we would branch into are um, more along the lines of street tacos, um, specialty mac and cheese. I mean, some really hearty things um, that um, that would serve as a meal for them. Um, and, and even though we are a coffee truck, we do also have other options for drinks, you know, um, teas, homemade lemonades, those kinds of things. Um, and then we would also have uh, all of our homemade pastries and things like that on the truck as well. Um, so we just felt like that might be um, an answer to, to a need out there. Um, and we loved being in North Lawrence and being a part of that um, because you know, we did realize there were so few uh, Ubers or Lyft drivers on those game days because they are, you know, elsewhere, uh, a lot of times probably at the games themselves. Um, and it just, it left those guys out there kind of stranded without anything to eat. So that was when I decided to approach Scott and see, you know, if there was something we could do uh, to kind of help out. So do you guys have any questions for us or concerns? Chris, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I think we're going to just turn it back over to the board to see if they have any questions of staff or Chris. Thank you. Okay, Chris, this is Don Kinney, board member. Uh, I'm just going to. I think it's a great idea. I, I think it's wonderful. And uh, so, how are you planning to market to people to let them know? Will they need to come into the parking lot area, or are you going to get some marketing? You know. Uh, be proactive with marketing into the terminal building itself. And uh, it seemed like, you know, you take to have a bunch of people sitting around saying, hey, there's no food and there's really food 150 feet away. They just don't know it. 
Yes, that's, I mean, that's exactly true. So um, where we're thinking is to have some materials inside the, um, the airport, the, the FOB itself, um, to, to kind of guide them. My thinking is that there would probably be a couple of us on the truck so that it would allow for one of us to go into the FOB and say, hey, we do have some food out here for you guys if you're needing to grab a bite. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking the first couple times we'll probably need to be uh, more proactive about it, have people on site until people start realizing that there's, there's a food option outside. Uh, but we definitely want to have something, you know, flyers, some of those types of things. Um, but that, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about with, um, whoever, if it's Hetrick or whoever, if, if there is like, um, I don't know if they have like a text messaging service, if they've got an email service, something like that, where we can get in touch with, um, some of those pilots that might be coming in just to let them know that there's, there's a service out there, but it, the first few times it will be, I think more of a personal touch us letting them know personally, Hey, we have some food out here for you guys. If you need that option. Okay, thank you. And this is Richard Egg Chair. Um, Lloyd, what are your feelings or coordinations that you feel would work with this? Lloyd, are you with us? Hey, uh, am I there now? Hi. Yep, you're there. Yeah, Lloyd Hattrick with the FBO. Uh, no, I think it's a great idea. We, we, we lacked that for years and years. Um, I, I think one thing that would come to mind, and I apologize, I haven't read a lot of this material tonight here, but um, would be we, we could put flyers out in the terminal building on the doors, uh, such, and of course, staff would be aware of it. To, I think it'd be easy to at least those that are already in know to be aware of the service. As far as doing it ahead of time, I mean, if they kind of uh, we do have some connections. We don't have, I mean, we'd be glad to put maybe something on the website for some of that nature. But uh, I think word of mouth is going to be the biggest thing. As people come in, they're usually repeat. They come back and back. Uh, so uh, I don't think marketing is going to be a problem. They're here. We can steer them that direction easy enough. And that'd be a great service for, for the FBO and Port Terminal. As you mentioned, we've got pilots sitting out there waiting Vending machines don't answer the question or take care of the needs all the time. So, uh, yeah, I think that'd be great. Yeah. Look forward to working with you. Thank you, Lloyd. And this is Richard Hanks here again. I just had a couple questions. One is with the city's policy on food trucks, would that prohibit them from setting up a uh, table on the inside of the terminal building for maybe some drinks and things that are easily accessible, not necessarily hot food? that they would have to go out to the truck with. But maybe Scott, if, if you could answer, is, would that be appropriate? Because I know having stuff inside the terminal may make it easier and also let them know what's available outside. Uh, this is Scott Wagner, analyst uh, for the city. I don't know that the city's code provisions on the mobile food licensing addresses um, that particular instance. I'll um, have to check in probably with our a city clerk's office who handles that licensing. Uh, I would think it could be a possibility. Um, but I can certainly investigate that more. Okay. Is there any? Oh, this is this is Ron Renz. Uh, I'm a tenant out here at the airport, and as you all know, longtime pilot. Chris, I'm also a client of yours. We come into Uplift fairly regularly for coffee. We love your place. It's awesome. Probably don't recognize me without my mask, but. <laughs> 
Um, but no, I think this is a great idea from from a pilot standpoint. That's it's. I think it'll work really good. I think marketing. I agree. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, there's a there's a website called airnav.com that uh, that a lot of pilots use before they go into an airport to just see what's there. Uh, you can get your business listed on there, and uh, Lloyd or I can help you get onto that website. It's it's airnav.com, and uh, that's a really great place. Uh, to that'll help you, I think, for that. And I think that would be appropriate uh, to to list it there for that. I think it's just awesome. And I agree, Chris has got a great business. She's a North Lawrence business. She's a local business. Awesome. Thank you, Ron. Is there any other, this is Richard, chairman of the board. Is there any other public comment or comments from the board that questions that they have or comments that they'd like to make on this issue? This is Clancy Maloney, board member. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Um, I need to know um, what your business plan is on this, sort of. How many airplanes do we expect to come in on game days? I'm just curious about how many pilots you expect to serve. Uh, I think the question said yeah. Chris or Lloyd. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Lloyd Hattrick again. Uh, that's this last year obviously kind of put a wrench in everything but uh and yeah. of course better than anything we all know the football season if, if they're if they're winning they bring a lot of people in but if you don't it changes things but it's not unheard we'll get more in for a basketball game than we will a football game typically um that we we could start seeing some changing on the football hopefully and then that could change it but we, we could easily see 20 to 30 aircraft so you you're going to figure of course, those probably better than half of them, or or seventy five percent of them, are, are clients that fly themselves in and go to the game. So they're not going to be sitting around looking for food. Mm-hmm. Uh, only the corporate pilots that are coming in are going to be out there. So I would think basketball in particular, we can have we can easily have 10, 15 pilots sitting around watching the game, waiting to for them to come back. So, but you got the traffic coming through and through there on the way to the game, they could easily buy stuff on the way out too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I think time will tell uh, how the season goes, but I don't know if basketball might be a, a venue that you might think about as well too, um, as they start, start coming back in, so. Okay, Clancy Maloney again. Um, and the three hour time span, are you talking about Chris showing up um, before as people arrive and stay in for three hours. And is that really long enough is I guess my question. Um, It's because it says no more than a three hour time span on game days. Is that going to work well for you? Well, um, I, you know, that that's part of the city's code right now for mobile food trucks is that, you know, we're limited to being parked no more than three hours. So, but in thinking of that, yes, we would like to be parked um, just prior to when they start arriving, um, because we feel like if you know if they're if they're going to be arriving there, um, we feel like three hours is plenty of time for them to to grab something to eat, and then maybe if they're needing to grab another drink or so before they head out on the aircraft. I mean, we we honestly feel like, and and judging from how long we had um, my nephew with us when he would fly in and then have some time to kill. It usually was no longer than four hours, um, you know, before they're, 
before they're ready to head back out um, and fly out of Lawrence. So we honestly felt like three hours would be enough to catch people at the beginning. Um, and then people who maybe wanted to wait a little bit um, before having a bite to eat. We didn't think that was a problem. Clancy Maloney. Thanks, Chris. That, that answers my question. This Monty soak up and, you know, I'm, I'm not a pilot in the group, but does it, would it make sense to put them on the tarmac side somewhere that would maybe be safe? And maybe that's just like not an airport thing. I don't know, but I'm just asking the question. This is Richard, the chairman of the advisory board. Sometimes putting things on the flight line area is... Which is the aspect of it. So then it's in the aviation side of the, of the terminal building and there's probably some, some liability issues there. Um, when we've done it before, you know, with the ramps completely opened operations, but if it's on the parking lot side, I think that opens that up to where it can be a non-aviation activity and not affect, you know, the normal, um, what does it say, uh, the rules of the airport, that the uh, minimum standards and things like that if it's operating in the parking area. Yeah, and this yeah, is, a, I, I was going to just bring up one thing. This is Amanda Sahin. Um, city of lawrence there's also we've tried to keep them out of the city right-of-way which is like the circle drive around because that's a whole nother permitting process so there's a whole there's a whole lot of regulations regarding food trucks for the city and um it's simpler if they're on city property but we did want to keep them kind of out of the operating area for the aircraft so that's why this parking lot seemed like kind of the best option um because it is on, on private property, city private property, not right-of-way, not public right-of-way. So that was also why we kind of put them out. Um, we were talking about putting them out where they are, where we're showing. Yeah, this, this is Ron Renz. Also from a, just a logistics standpoint, if you put the food truck on the airport side, that cuts down potential clients. If you keep it on the, on the street side, then anybody can go there. They don't have to be pilots. They don't have to be able to get out to their airplanes and that. And I think it just op opens up more potential customers for, for Uplift. And I think that's a good thing. And then another thought I had is it's, it's you know, not just the pilots that are there. When I fly it, flown into places to games and stuff, it's a good, you're always madly scrambling. I need to get something to eat, but I don't have time because I want to go to the game and I don't have time because I want to go home. And so another potential marketing opportunity is available just to go boxes that the that the people that are flying into the games can pick up or maybe arrange ahead of time with you that they can pick up and, and, and take with them when they leave. That's another, another potential uh, source of customers for you too. This is Richard Haig. Is there any other comment that we have? Okay, the, the action. Uh, Richard Clancy Maloney here uh, on the board. Um, I do have one question. Have you given any thought, Chris, to having a regular, um, or I don't know if it's legal for the city, but have you given any thought to having a regular round going to the airport, like, for example, on weekends when a lot of us who just fly for ourselves might be interested. I don't know if that's something that's would be okay down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm actually in the process right now of going through and solidifying different businesses that we park at um, during the week here in Lawrence. 
Um, and I would be happy to put the airport on that list. So um, I'm not sure who I should talk to about that, um, you know, to make sure that it's um, worth our time and worth your time too. Um, but if, you know, we'd love to come out and park at the airport uh, for a little bit on some of your ba- your busy mornings or your busy times. And, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to do that. Uh, we don't charge a fee to do that. Um, it's just part of getting our name out there. And so, you know, I don't know, Lloyd, if that's, if I visit with you about that at some point or, um, you know, how we would go about doing that. But yes, we'd be interested in that. Lloyd Hetrick again. I, you know, I'd love to visit with you on it. I, I think there's a, a need on occasions. I, I don't know if we could get a break. You could say every Wednesday at a certain time. I don't know. But we sure could look at something. Game day would be a good start and see how it works, get your foot in the door. And, but uh, until you're ready to move your operation out here, I, I don't know. We'd have to figure that. But there's a need for some. But we, we, we're we sporadic. We don't know when all the traffic's going to be here necessarily other than some of the given uh, events that we, and it could be outside the games as well. If we have uh, KU relays, a d- number of different things that might be going on. Yeah. So, yeah. Is Richard, okay, is any other comment or any suggestions that people have? Okay, the action on this item is just for us to give feedback to the city. It's not something for us to vote on or move forward that way, just to give input to the city. And I think it's been pretty positive, the input. And honestly, some of the things that I see is like Clancy's tried to organize and we looked at some events coming to the airport with air races and things like that and uh, different events that it would be neat to be able to to reach out to Chris if we have an event coming up or the RVs are flying in for a fly-in over a weekend or or different groups that that have shown interest if they are they want that maybe we can reach out to Chris at those times if this is approved by the city and goes through that would uh, just open up another another asset to the airport thank you guys okay um, the next one is the upcoming airport uh, engineering consultant selection so I'll turn that over to Amanda Sehin Amanda Sahin, airport manager. Um, I just wanted to give everybody a heads up that this summer we'll begin the the selection process for the five-year engineering on call. Um, So there's a process we have to go through with that where we do a um, request for qualifications and consultants uh, submit their statement of qualifications to us. Um, The process we're gonna use this year is a little bit different than it's looked in the past. the city's been kind of over the last few years using this a um, little bit different process that really focuses them in on our project. So a lot of times, if you've ever been involved in something like this, you get a lot of marketing material and things that aren't real specific to what you do. And it's really hard to sort through kind of one consultant to another and, and really see who would be the best team for your project. So the city's kind of evaluated these different ways we can do the selection and um, has come up with this little bit of a hybrid process with some other ways we've tried. And and it basically gives the consultants um, some forms they need to fill out. And it's very specific. They need to say like how they're gonna approach the project. What risks do they see? Um, so they can't just give you their standard marketing material. They've gotta, we identify three members of their team that we want the Um, information on for experience those are the only three members they can submit 
Um, they have to be the people that you're actually going to be working with on the project, not like the you know, executives and, and people that um, you really won't see. And then the kind of after you shortlist them, those are the three people you interview. And generally, we do them as one-on-one -on -one interviews. So it's not they come in, do a marketing pitch to you. It's literally you sit with the evaluation committee and the one person, and you have set questions you ask that person as the project manager for this project. And you go through, OK, you ask every project manager the same questions. So those of you who've been involved in the past, it's probably a little bit different than it's looked. Um, but I think it will, will uh, get us a, a really good consultant. Um, so we have identified five city staff, probably, that um, will likely be on the committee, kind of with different backgrounds and experiences. And we would like to have one um, aviation advisory board member appointed to that to represent the group. Um, there is some time commitment. We don't know how many we'll get, but there'll be proposals that we'll get. I mean, I would say we should probably expect at least five um, from consultants that have reached out to us. Um, and so, you know, when we get them in, you'll have to review those proposals. We'll probably do a little bit of training ahead of time just to kind of explain to the person, like, what you're looking for, how you score them, um, that type of thing. And then um, after the, we shortlist them, there'll be interviews. And so there'll probably be a few hours of interviews that you'll need to be prepared to, to attend. And then, like, a meeting after that to talk about, um, you know, everybody's scores. So there, there's a little bit of a time commitment. Um, I don't know exactly when this will be issued. I would assume the RFQ will probably go out in the next month or so. Um, and it usually it's out for about a month before they, they're submitted. Um, so I just wanted to kind of explain that process a little bit and um, see if there's somebody interested. I think also uh, Melinda has called in. I don't think she's on video. Melinda Harger has called in. She's There she is. She's... Uh, my boss, and she is like the expert at these, so she will be one of the people on the selection committee. She's done a lot of these. And so she'll be there to guide everybody through the process with uh, Scott. But I don't know, Melinda, if you had anything to add. Melinda Harger, Assistant Director of MSO. No, I think you summarized it pretty well. Um, the key is to really highlight the expertise in these proposals so that we focus in on certain things we really want to see and you're not going to be um, getting proposals that are an inch thick. You know, we try to limit the page number, maybe 10 or less pages, but they really have to highlight um, that they know about um, our airport. They've, they've studied the types of projects that are in our fiber plan um, and what they can offer us um, specifically. So, um, it's a really good process. We started using this about three or four years ago. It's based in some research um, that's been done across the country with um, successful projects. So I'm happy to be a part of it and answer any questions you have. All right. Do we have, this is Richard Haig, Chairman of the Board. Do we have any public comment on the selection process? Any board members with, with questions or comments? Richard, this is Ron Renz, uh, tenant out at the airport. Uh, I, I, that, that selection process sounds like a really good plan. I, I like that. Um, I'm glad to hear that you're going to have a, hopefully have a board member aboard. Um, I'd also recommend that maybe you have one of the business tenants at the airport on that as well. You know, maybe, maybe Lloyd or myself or maybe somebody from KU would be good on that as well because they 
what the consultant does and how the consultant does their business can affect our businesses. And I think that's that could be valuable. I don't know if that's what you is even a consideration, but that's just my two cents worth. This is Richard Haig, Chair. Uh, Melinda, we've gone through a few of the uh, engineering selection processes since I've been on the board, uh, probably three or four. And this process makes a lot more sense than the, the ways we've done it in the past with people bringing in just, it's more of an FAA-guided, this is what we're going to do, this is who we are, and not anything specific to our airport. And we have had consultants that were hired that didn't have the knowledge of our airport and the growth process to get them up to speed to where we were with the city, where the airport was, and the goals of the airport was really a challenge. And, and some of them just took what little information they had and ran with it and took it in a direction that was kind of kind of bizarre. And I do really, really think this process sounds so much better and productive for the airport and for the city. So I appreciate the way you're doing it. Clancy Maloney, board member. Um, how much um, engineering expertise does the person you select need to evaluate this? This is Amanda Sahin. I would say, you know, we, we tell them in the RFQ that there will be people of different technical capabilities on the, the board. So it's actually kind of good in a sense to have people that may not know a lot about engineering because you may look at it differently than an engineer would. And um, so we will have what we're looking at right now, it's Scott will be on the board, Melinda, Melinda's an engineer. Um, we'll have probably another one of our engineers who focuses in pavement, probably somebody from our um, buildings maintenance group and maybe somebody from the city manager's office. And so you'll have a lot of technical people. So I don't think that it's necessary that the aviation advisory board member is necessarily um, has that technical background. I think maybe somebody who understands um, you know, airports and how they function would be good because that's probably something that the city staff lacks a little bit um, currently. So. This is Richard Hagee. Yeah, Clancy, the, the airport advisory board would be more the operational side of how, how airplanes are moving around, what we're using the airport for, the long-term goals, which a lot of the city staff will have as well, but just to see how it works with the people that are using the airport and give some comments if things are just just not seeming right one way or the other or supporting the things that really are a, a positive uh, goal for the airport. Anthony Maloney, board member. Thanks, Richard. That, that really answers my question. I was just trying to get a hack on how um, deep the math and science was going to be on these proposals. Yep. If, the, if it's, this is Amanda Sahin, if it's that deep, then there probably shouldn't be someone we select. So it's probably okay. Any, any other questions or comments for Melinda or Scott or Amanda? Now, when do, would you like a board member or how would you like us to select a board member to, is that something you'd like us to do this evening? Yes, because the next meeting isn't until August. Um, this is Amanda Sahin and we're going to be going through the process before then. So I don't know if you just want to kind of ask who's interested and then you guys vote or if you guys just want to throw someone under the bus and throw their name out. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, and I do want to answer um, Ron's question. We, we actually talked, I think in the past there was two advisory board members. We're, 
we have certain city staff that were pretty set on wanting to be part of this process for a certain reason, and you really don't want a board more than five or six. Um, and so we're, we're trying to keep it to the people that we really feel um, will, you know, offer them, not to say you're not going to offer a benefit to it, but there's just so many other needs. And so I'm hoping that Aviation Advisory Board member can bring that, Ron, to, to the group too as being, you know, potentially, depending who it is, a tenant out at the airport and seeing that perspective. Um, and certainly as we get into projects, you know, the tenants out there will be involved. Um, so, but through this selection process, it's, you know, trying to keep that group a little bit smaller. Um, it just seems to be more effective. If you get too big of a group sometimes, it kind of gets away from you, so. Yeah, this is Ron Wren's tenant. Uh, yeah, I agree, man. I, I just, you know, throwing out ideas because uh, more ideas you have, the more you got to think about what makes sense or not make sense. But yeah, no, I agree. I, I like the process. I think the process is going to be very good and that's good. And yeah, the board members are all uh, very qualified people. I think they're all in, and in the best interest of the airport. It's just sometimes from a business standpoint, I know that, that there's been problems that, you know, have like, for example, uh, when runways get closed and that, and, and so that those are the kind of questions that we want to make sure get answered and, and, and that sort of thing, because it has, it can have very significant impacts on the businesses out here. You know, I mean, my business wasn't very much affected by the last runway closure, but I know that Lloyd's was, and there's there's some concerns there that we want to make sure that 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 when you're dealing with a consultant, you want to talk about how would you deal with those kinds of issues, and that so they're just kind of things, and I think the board members can do that. But yeah, that was my suggestion. But no, I agree. I think you don't want too many people either, because then it gets unwieldy. So thanks. Okay, this is Richard Egg Chair. So I would welcome any board member that would like to uh, put their name out there to be on the uh, selection committee. Um, I will put my name out there, but I've been through that process two or three times and would welcome somebody that wants to, to experience it. And I can go over the things that I've learned in the past from the selections we've made and uh, just bring them up to speed. So anybody that would be interested, I'd, I'd like to hear. Oh, uh, Richard, I think I'd be interested. Okay. Uh, serving in that capacity. You got it. This is Dan Bourne, uh, board member. Okay. Everybody else? With that being said, I think that with Dan being interested, that I'd feel comfortable with recommending Dan for the for the selection committee do we need a yeah I would like move? actually do a motion and a vote okay so, so if we could have a motion for Dan also move this is Don Kenny and seconded I'll second so they moved and seconded so those in favor will do a roll call vote Richard Haig aye Monty aye Don Aye. Clancy? Aye. Dan? Aye. Chris? Aye. So it passes 6-0. We'll recommend Dan Bourne for the selection committee for the new engineering firm. All right. Okay. Moving on to the next, uh, I think the next few items we'll just turn over to Amanda to just go through the list and address the city's concerns and, and items. 
Okay, this is Amanda Sahin, Airport Manager. I want to point out, so the next two items, we're going to probably go ahead and talk through both of them before we ask you to make a motion on M3, and then we'll kind of have to do uh, all the motions at the end. I think it's going to make the most sense for you to see the whole thing before we act on, on uh, item three, which is the agreements, because the agreements commit us to certain things financially that are tied to item four. So, um, so I'll just kind of jump into this. I mean, I'll, I'll share my screen here because I don't want to have to read through all this. I just want to summarize it. Um, I think everybody's aware that um, Hetrick Air Services has been looking at building a second hangar there, kind of south of where hangar one is um, for a while. And we've been working with them on plans and they've got an engineer involved and um, pretty much to the point where just about plans are just about complete. And um, so we've started the process of negotiating the ground lease and kind of the terms of everything out there. Um, so through that, we've had conversations about um, the taxi lane that needs to serve that. And um, you know, Hetrick Air Services approached the city asking if we would if we would fund that piece of the work out there, and they would fund you know all of the utilities and and their. Um, their building and so we've been able to identify some funds to do that we think that it makes the most sense for the airport it is even though temporarily it is only serving this hangar if you look at the airport layout plan and how this all lays out in the future there should be other buildings out there um, that this would serve so this would eventually become um, a really it's supposed to be expanded apron um, with an additional connection to, to taxiway a and all of that in the future so this is kind of just that first piece that will get access to that, that hangar. So the city has, um, city staff is recommending at this point that, that the city constructs that. Um, so we have two agreements that are in draft form with, um, that are currently with Hetrick Air Services for review. They have agreed kind of to these general terms. At this point, we're just working through specifics of the language. So we don't have the agreements actually for you, but we've summarized the main points of the agreements so that we could keep this moving forward, get the board's recommendation, so that as soon as those are finalized, hopefully in the next few weeks, they can go to city commission for commission to take action on them, because city commission will have to approve these, these agreements. Um, so basically, the cooperation agreement just lays out who's responsible for what. Um, so Hetrick would provide the city with the plans. The plans, we've already went through one round of reviews on the plans for all of the utilities and pavement out there, so they would have to just finalize those and um, basically give the city a stamp set of plans that was biddable for us to put out to bid. The city would use our standard process for, um, for bidding projects, and the city would run the construction of that and hire the consultant for the inspection services um, for that. The um, Hetrick would construct and maintain the apron that connects to that. They would um, construct the utilities that serve their property. They would construct and maintain a fire access lane. I can kind of go to the, although I can't read two things at once, but I can pull up this other thing here. Because um, a picture might help as I'm talking through this. Give me one second. All right, let me zoom out here and show you guys pictures I'm talking about this. So this is the new building. This is the taxi line here. So there's some utilities around here that Hetrick would construct. This apron here that connects 
their building to the taxi lane they would construct. These fire accesses they would construct and maintain. This one on the south side is meant to be temporary. Um, it'll probably just be like compacted millings. Um, we didn't really want to build a road there right now because it kind of cuts off this part here. Um, of If you look at the um, airport layout plan, it shows some kind of big box hangers going across here. So we didn't want to build a road and utilities that would really cut off the access to that and limit the um, use of this lot. So right now the utilities end somewhere over in here, the water. Um, eventually it would have to be looped with the future project back to airport road. And eventually we would need to do some type of paved connection to airport road, but it might not be along this alignment. So the short term agreement was to allow them to construct a temporary access that meets the fire department standards and they will maintain that until it becomes not necessary anymore. Um, they'll also put gates in at the fire access points and um, there's a little bit extra parking. Some of this parking lot's built with hangar one. There'll be some additional parking that, um, that they will construct also. Um, so the city will basically construct this taxi line right here, this paving, and the um, kind of turf area on each side. We will do whatever's necessary for that work, and um, we will maintain that. So that is a 35-foot pavement width with 41 foot on each side for a total width of 117 feet. That meets the aircraft um, design group that Hetrick plans to have in that, um, in that hangar. So that is the specifics of the, um, of the cooperation agreement. The second thing is the ground lease. The ground lease is actually the lease um, for them to, to use this ground here. Um, kind of have a little zoomed in version here. So we've agreed to lease only a portion of lot two because this is all they're using at this time. The city will maintain control of the rest of this lot um, and may subdivide it in the future depending on what development opportunities come up. Um, so this blue area is the area that will be leased by, um, by Hetrick. It's about 30 foot, a little bit over 30 foot offset from the uh, back of the building. So that the kind of thinking behind that was if this eventually becomes a lot line, the building offset requirements would likely be 30 feet. Um, and so that way we would be um, complying with that, with that standard. So we don't recommend splitting the lot at this point because there's a lot of other things behind that, um, but you know, we, we may do that in the future. So that works out to be around 50,000 square feet, I believe, that um, is part of their lease. The initial term would be five years beginning on January 1 of 2022. They would have the option to extend for five additional and successive five-year terms. This is, this is virtually identical to the lease for hangar one, for the ground lease for hangar one. Um, except for the amount because it's based on square footage. Rent during the initial term is $700 a month and that will start the month following the issuance of the certificate of occupancy on hangar two. I think at this point they're intending that to be sometime early next year. Um, the rent would increase by two and a half percent each term and Hetrick is responsible for all utilities. That $700 a month is in line with the appraised value for the property. A fair market rent analysis of the area was completed in 2018 and the recommended um, ground lease rate was 15 to 20 cents per square foot and this puts it around the 17 cents per square foot mark um, which we feel is a fair, um, fair rate. So I will go back up to the memo here. So kind of next steps, just so you guys are aware. Um, 
you know, I told you before, this is in draft form. Once they're finalized, it's gonna have to go to city commission for approval. We're just asking for the board to say that, yes, you know, you agree that you recommend these terms. Um, in order to complete this construction that's of that taxi lane, um, we have to do an amended CIP and a budget adjustment. Um, so that's what kind of the next topic is. And so before we move to that, if you would like, we can take board comment on this, mm -hmm. but just not vote. And then I can present the next item. So okay. do we have any board comment on the, the lease agreement? So yeah, this, propose. This Monty soak up. Uh, I, I, have a question about why we're using a four-year-old appraisal of the land value and calling that fair market rent. I'm not, and maybe we need this to be favorable, you know, to our tenant there. But uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that when I see what's happened to land values over the last four years to be a current value. So I, that's why my question is why. Why would we not get a new rent, or is there a reason we didn't do that? I might let Scott Wagner, he handles a lot of the appraisals for the city and kind of knows how often we go through these, so I'll let him handle this. Uh, Scott Wagner, analyst um, for the city. Um, we certainly could, uh, Monty, uh, conduct a new appraisal. Um, I have the feeling that you know this was just done uh, in 2018. It's not that old. The appraisal did give us a range of market values, uh, so I would expect uh, you know if we redid the appraisal to um, to receive a, a similar uh, product uh, with probably not a substantial difference um, in the outcome, uh, which is costly to. Uh, to do a new market appraisal, but uh, we, staff certainly could. Monty, I'd be open uh, to that suggestion, but I, I wouldn't expect uh, a huge difference in the in the final number. But mm -hmm. certainly going forward, uh, this this current lease brings us closer to um, market values, and we um, Amanda and I, you know, had some inquiries from other potential developers um, out of four airport ground and uh, I would certainly um, hope to keep our leases uh, in accordance with market rates and I'm, I'm never opposed to doing a new appraisal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I just wanted can to can know. I add, Monty, let me add to you just real quick. Uh, this is Amanda C. The current uh, lease for lot one for hangar one is at about 13 and a half cents per square foot. Um, and so th this is an increase to that um, which we felt was appropriate. Also, I'm not sure commercial values have quite increased quite as much as, as residential values in the last few years. Um, but we do we do have some escalation over the one that was done a couple of years ago for Hangar One. Just yeah. for the and I'm okay with that. I just I just wondered what the logic was, and certainly we don't have people clamoring to rent space at the airport. So it's you know it's not like it's the corner of you know 15th and Iowa or something, right? So I get that. Uh, thank you for the explanation. Do we have any other public comment or board member comment on on the cooperative agreement? Okay. How about let's move to the 
What's the other one? The budget adjustment. Lloyd, I, I just want to make sure Lloyd had an opportunity if he wanted to say anything real quick. Richard, if you don't mind. Yeah, Lloyd, did you want to comment on the cooperative agreement? Yeah, uh, yeah, Lloyd Hetrick, Hetrick there. Um, no, I think, Mandy, uh, your, your explanation was very helpful. Um, kind of breaking it down to the points of the two contracts. Um, you know, I just I appreciate the city working with it, getting getting this done. Uh, you know, the taxi lane's been the big issue. Um, there's no way we can afford to spend the money to do that to get the, this project going. So this allows us to get that going, get gross at, uh, additional gross at the airport. Uh, obviously, will help long term later down whether it's us building a third hangar or somebody else come along. Um, but so we're on board. I, I think um, I, I think it's like any operator. I mean, I, I think uh, the cheaper we get the ground rent, the easier it is to justify the building. But um, you know, we're we're okay with that. And the city worked with us with the square footage, so I I do appreciate the, uh, being able to move ahead. Otherwise, it'd probably be a uh, done and before we've got started so we're we're excited about it uh, we'd love to see it be in it by, by well, hopefully by february march next year but uh amanda can you tell me just offhand do is there i didn't see anything in this as to a, a timetable for taxi lane to be done is was there something about early next year the city would have it completed or or have this we got a date this is Amanda Seen. Scott, um, you might correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you have it, you say, before they receive their um, certificate of occupancy for the building, correct? This is Scott Wagner, analyst. Uh, yes, that's correct. I think we put some timing elements in there to protect the city that, you know, it has to be approved by the governing body, um, that, you know, the city, uh, once we have that approval, um, we could uh, start to uh, solicit bids for construction after a building permit uh, for your project is pulled. So there's some protections in there for the city on that aspect. Yeah. It's Richard. Hey, Chair. Um, Lloyd, I just have one question. It's it's not specific to the, uh, to the agreement, but with the um, amount of aircraft interest in development that you've seen in the in the last couple of years, with after the the building of Hangar One and the additional aircraft out there, how long do you see before you think Hangar Two is going to be full and looking for for even more space? Well, it's been a tough year, obviously with the COVID and everything, but uh, we're we're seeing a lot of movement out of Kansas City for some more uh, managed aircraft, which is what we're doing now. So, uh, you know, I'd like to think within a couple of years, this one would be full, but uh, I, I can't, it, it's speculation that, uh, but the growth is going the right direction. Uh, even with a tough year, I think, uh, I think the economy is showing good growth, uh, whether that stays in place now, but uh, I, I would, I would hope that within a couple of years, we got that full. Um, and, and again, we're focusing on the larger aircraft. Uh, I'd love to see the city build some more tea hangers sometime to help accommodate the poor guys with the littler planes, but uh, we just can't make the dollars work on the smaller planes. Um, but, but from a, the larger ones, yeah, I, I would think we'd be two two to three years out at that. So, and I may be coming back in another year and 
and we're going to be looking at number three. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we're. I'm, I would speculate we're two to three years out. Yeah, well, we look forward to that. The development out there the last few years has been incredible. We appreciate it. Okay. So amended the uh, CIP. Okay, let me share my screen again here. Okay, so several things have happened over the past few months um, regarding the airport. So we kind of tried to, we delayed a little bit of this to, to get everything together um, with, with the uh, agreement with Hetrick and everything. There's a lot of moving pieces in the budget to make all this work. Um, so wanted to just kind of go through that real quick. Um, probably the easiest thing to look at is, is this table here, um, just for kind of summary purposes. So basically we had this rehab taxiway that was in the budget, and that was based on our five-year CIP with the FAA. That's gotten pushed out. Um, that was for, for taxiway A. Um, that's gotten pushed out now a few years. So the good thing is we had $285,000 budgeted this year for the design of that, which we are not using. Um, so that will get shifted. Um, to, I think it says up here, to uh, 2022. So, because right now the FAA is hoping that the taxiway and um, apron would get funded with in their fiscal year 23, which would is the back end of our 22 fiscal year. So we will shift that out right now. Um, and then we actually had rehab T-hanger taxi lanes in 24, we ended up getting some KDOT grants uh, to do a lot of that work that we've talked about previously. So we do need to get that in the CIP and shift that up to a 21 project and fund the design and the match for that. Um, and then now we have this uh, taxi lane for, for lot two. We also had some other kind of grant um, grants that have come in with, with COVID from the FAA that I'll, I'll kind of go into here with the airport gate controllers and um, another small grant that we got from the FAA here recently. So it's a lot of moving parts, sorry, it's a little confusing. But the CARES Act grant, so last year we were awarded $69,000 as part of CARES Act and um, we previously discussed that with the board. That's what we are planning to use to automate the two remaining vehicle gates that aren't automated. Um, we're currently working on that. The, the uh, documentation has been submitted to the FAA for the airspace clearance and the um, approval to construct. And the bid package is probably 80% ready. Um, and uh, once we get approval from the FAA, that'll be finalized and put out to bid, hopefully to get done this year. So we'd like to move that into this year's budget. It's basically an offset to the budget. It's just we have to get it actually in the budget and then we get revenue to cover it. So doesn't really impact the um, the airport fund in you know as a net total but um, it is something we need to add into there the um, second grant is the airport coronavirus response grant program um, both this and the cares grant it, it was a set amount that was given to our size of an airport um, the FAA got a certain amount of dollars and then they broke it into you know different size airports and us as a regional airport every regional airport in Kansas got this amount of money so these two um, amounts of money basically where they sent me a grant application that said, here, sign this, here's, you know, we want to give you this money. And we signed it and they, um, they gave us the, uh, the money. So I, it was pretty simple. We didn't really have to apply necessarily, but there is a lot of rules with what it can be used for. And the second round here um, that we just got in March does have um, significantly more rules than the first round. And so it's pretty limited what you can use it for. Um, as you know with any projects out at the airport 
So really, the, I think the easiest thing is to offset some employee salary. So we do have one employee who comes out of the airport budget right now, and that's our maintenance person that's out there. And so um, we're thinking the simplest way is basically just to add it to airport revenue through reimbursement. Once we've reached $23,000 in salaries this year, we'll just put in a request with those um, with the documentation saying, okay, we want to be reimbursed for those salaries. And that'll just come into airport revenue, and then we can kind of divert other revenue for other for other uses um, that we're gonna that was gonna cover that. So that that is uh, the plan for that twenty three thousand dollars. I think right now, when I looked a few weeks ago, we were at like fifteen thousand this year. So a few more months, and we'll be able to get that money back into the the airport fund. Um, the other grants are the city received grant agreements recently for two KIP grants totaling $184,000, a little over $184,000. The grants are to rehabilitate the taxi lanes on each side of T-Hanger A and encompass that entire pavement area north of B and C. Um, the uh, city is required to pay for the design cost plus a 10% match totaling approximately $50,000. So we could just do that and not do anything with the pavement between um, kind of on each side of hangers B and C. That's an option. Um, the pavement is not in great shape for the people who fly um, out at the airport. They know that. We have some pretty big cracks. We have went out there and looked at it with some um, contractors and we we're hoping we could do a lower cost, you know, kind of seal coat patch. The reality is with the amount of cracking out there, the seal coat and patch was not much less than a full melon overlay um, within like $10,000. So it didn't make a lot of sense to do something that's going to give us maybe five years when we could do something, spend a little more money and get, get a lot more life out of that pavement. Um, and so what we're recommending is that we go ahead and just fund locally with the airport fund the melon overlay so that whole area around the T-hangers would get new pavement. We likely would not run it as a concurrent project with the, the taxi lane, um, the other taxi lanes, since that's a KDOT project. There's a lot more involved with Davis-Bacon wages and things that might drive up that cost. So we would probably do that like with a separate contract. Um, might get a little better pricing that way. We might be able to group it in even with our mill and overlay that does the rest of the city streets because um, we you know, do quite a, quite a large quantity there, so we might get some competitive pricing, including it in that contract. So the timing may be a little bit different for those two parts of the project, but the goal would be to get them both all of that whole area done this year. So we recommend um, to go ahead and do that, and we're estimating the cost of that's about $85,000. Um, we can certainly defer that if we don't want to spend down some of the airport um, reserve, you know, and, and we want to keep that in, in the airport fund for a rainy day. Um, but we just think that it's really a need out there. So that, that was what staff would recommend. Um, and then we've talked a lot about the taxi lane for, for lot two already. Um, we're anticipating that cost to be about $200,000, maybe a little bit less. Um, and so we, we want to put a placeholder in the budget for that. So all of that is kind of, some of it's a maintenance plan, some of it's in the CIP. But overall, there's all these projects kind of shifting in and out and being added into it that I've summarized here, that I've summarized dollar amounts um, in this table. And so the, the two grants here are shown as some additional revenue and then um, kind of all of the current budget, revised budget here. So this includes 
the um, $85,000, as you see here, I went ahead and put it under one project right there, 135. That's the $50,000 for the KDOT grant match and design, and it's the $85,000 for the other portion of that of the taxi lane. We'd likely just run it as a sub project under that same project. So, I've combined them together to be 135. So all of those moving parts basically would be a total increase to the airport budget this year of $21,000. We do believe that we've included a little bit of contingency in these projects and that it might truly not be an increase to the airport budget, but we want to have a little bit in there for um, prices are kind of volatile right now. Um, and you also never know once you start tearing up pavement what you're going to run into. So we, have a, we think we have a little bit in there um, to cover if, if something comes up. So. Our, our overall recommendation is that we increase the total airport budget this year to $21,000 by adding in these projects and shifting this rehab taxiway out to next year. Um, and so that is kind of the summary of everything together. I hope I didn't go too fast. Yeah, I appreciate this, Richard Haig. That is incredible we can get that much done with just that much adjustment to the budget. Nancy Maloney, uh, I second that comment. So, looking at the adjustment and knowing that asphalt can, could damage an aircraft and do some liability issues, which we fought in the past, being able to do that if it was available and if the, the commission agrees to it would be a good advantage for the city to, to progress with that. Uh, this is Monty Soka. I, I agree with those comments and I think, you know, doing that space between the hangars, if, you know, we want, you know, to be a first class airport and we want our pilots and the people that use the airport to, you know, be safe and, and have good facilities. I think we surely need to do that. So um, I'm going to be in favor of this recommendation. Any yep. other uh, this is Dan Bourne, board member. I was wondering what's the condition of uh, Taxiway Alpha, the one that's being pushed out. Uh, is there any downside to delaying that for for a year or so? Well, this is Amanda Sahin. We didn't receive any grant funding, so what we had in there was simply the design. So we really can't progress with that project because it's it's mm. quite expensive. Um, so we can't progress with. The, really move forward on that project until we get FAA funding it's you know so in the meantime we're trying to get some of these smaller things that really don't compete well for FAA funding a lot of the things we're proposing doing are not things that the FAA will likely fund for a long time if ever I think the KDOT grant is great um, great for that type of thing and that's why we went after it for those those taxi lanes um, it's just that you know they really focus on they're looking at obviously you know the whole region and the needs and runways are going to compete the best and then you know taxiways after that aprons are even hard so i think our apron it's in bad enough shape that it's probably competitive but um it's tougher to get that apron rehab that we're hoping to get next year too um so i think hopefully next year i mean i've heard from the fa that they believe that it is it is fairly competitive that taxiway so i'm hoping that it, it's a 23 project for them and can we can start it tail into next year but we're really kind of um, at their mercy on that one. Okay, another question I would have is that you mentioned once you get into, you know, taking up the asphalt, you never know what you'll find and how long it'll take. And we know that the 
the runway work um, last summer sure took a lot longer than you know what we thought it would. Um, so how disruptive will this be to you know normal hangar operations? Is it possible to say? This is Amanda Sahin. We haven't really got into looking at like the timeline. Now this is a lot smaller scope, so um, you know it's not going to be as extreme, but. It's also a small enough scope that it's very hard to phase and get any economy of scale. So I am not going to sit here and tell you that, yeah, we can keep one side open and the other one, you know, while the other one's closed. Maybe we can. And maybe that can, you know, maybe that can be a bit alternate that, that's added in and we see what the cost is. Um, but it's, it's a pretty small area. So generally most contractors are going to want to come in and they're going to want to demo and then they're going to want to bring in you know asphalt in one day probably a couple days you know to, to get all that done um, it's not a big area so it really should not take that long um, the biggest thing out there i would say is it's not the melon overlay necessarily it's the drainage issues that we need to deal with so my hope would be that we could maybe address those drainage issues first and only close an area while we're doing that and then when we move on to the melon overlay um, you know that it's fairly quick because we can just get out you know demo start you know a few days of demo a few days of paving and and uh, we can move on but yeah it's the drainage issues that exist kind of over next to the community hangar and along Eurotex hangar we've got to put in some some storm drain for that there's also um, some grade issues we're going to try to work on where the um, I guess it's the west taxi lane um, it's it's pretty steep as it comes down there to the north end. We're going to try to improve that as much as we can. Um, kind of tied in with grade at that first hangar you hit um, at, for A. So there's a few things like that that we'll work on that may take a little more time. But I would imagine that the mill and overlay portion should be pretty straightforward um, once we get the drainage part addressed. So I would hope that we could at least phase it to to kind of handle the drainage and then move in and do the pavement. But That'll be something that will be talked about with tenants and everything, you know, when we're in the design process and we actually have a good estimate of how much time it'll take. Any other questions or comments? So we have two items to, uh, to approve. One is the cooperative agreement recommending it for the city with Hedrick Aviary aircraft and then also the CIP proposal to increase the airport budget by $21,000 with the projects that are proposed so if uh, if there's no more discussion then maybe we could get a, a uh, we call it on the board a uh, motion for each one and and we can vote on on those if there's no changes that people would like to see. I would start and do like one motion as written, like, and then vote on it, and okay. then do the have somebody do the next motion. So that way we're, we we kind of keep them separate. A motion for the cooperative agreement for the ground lease for and uh, development for Hedrick Hangar Two. I so move. Also, this is done. <laughs> okay, it's, it's motion is. Pro moved by Chris, Chris Coleman. We get a second. Lance and Maloney, all second. Okay. So we'll take a roll call vote. Uh, Richard Haig, chair, aye. Monty? Aye. Don? Kenny? Yes. 
Clancy? Aye. Dan? Aye. Chris? Aye. So it passes 6-0. We do recommend the cooperative agreement as written to move forward. The second one would be the ACIP agreement and development of, and repair of the taxiways as projects as it is written in the proposal presented by Amanda. So if I could take a motion. If you could read the action, it would be good, just okay. under four, whoever makes the motion. Just the recommend approval of CIP and maintenance plan changes to Bay staff. would be good. Nobody. Nobody. Could you explain that again, Amanda? This is when you make did you say I I you know recommend approval of that's your motion right there is what, what it says under action, the top one and number four. Nancy Maloney, board member, um, let me give it a try. Okay. Um, I recommend that we approval the, approve the CIP and maintenance plan changes as outlined by staff and recommend the approval of the airport budget adjustment as presented by staff, increasing total expenditures by $113,000, increasing revenue by $92,000 for an overall net increase to the budget of $21,000. Does that work, Amanda? Can we do them together? I'm guessing. I don't, yes. I don't know the rules on this stuff. But since it's all one. Yeah, I think that's fine. We'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> so. Okay, now we need a second. I'll second that. Okay. Moved by Clancy. Seconded by Monty. We'll take a roll call vote again. Uh, Richard Haig, aye. Monty Suckup. Aye. Don Kinney. Aye. Clancy Maloney? Aye. Dan Bourne? Aye. Chris Coleman? Aye. And it passes 6-0 with the recommended changes by staff, as outlined by staff. Thank you, guys. I think it's pretty exciting, the changes that we've had over the last few years and getting everything back up to snuff with a lot of assistance from grant money and, and uh, taking the burden off the city is incredible. That's great. Okay. The next agenda item is the Kansas Commission on Airspace Educational Tour Application. Yeah, we're going to have Scott kind of introduce this item. Scott Wagner, analyst for the city. I'll try to keep this brief as our meeting is moving along tonight. Um, it was a few weeks ago that Rick Bryant reached out to staff and said, hey, the Kansas Commission on Aerospace Education is reviving the Kansas Air Tour for 2021. I, I think the city ought to apply. Um, so we put Rick to work on this item and he put together a great application uh, for us and we submitted it uh, by the deadline in uh, April. And I got a very nice call from Logan Folletti of the Kansas Commission on Aerospace Education on Monday. Uh, letting us know that Lawrence had been uh, awarded a uh, stop on the Kansas Air Tour for 2021, and we've been awarded an overnight stop. So um, I made a quick phone call to Logan today thinking, hey, it'd be a nice opportunity to educate the board a little bit more on what the Kansas uh, Air Tour is. And so she's on the call today. I also reached out to uh, Clancy Maloney earlier today since she 
had volunteered to work on the Air Race Committee, knowing that we would need a, a subcommittee uh, of folks to, to work on preparing for this event on September 23rd. And Clancy uh, has graciously agreed to uh, uh, work on a subcommittee and, and helping to, to plan this event. I also reached out to David Hayab, who is uh, going to re be replacing Monty Sukup as the uh, KU appointee to this board. Uh, David is the president of the Jayhawk uh, Community Partners, and so he has a lot of great contacts, um, obviously in the in the broader uh, community. And he agreed to to serve on a planning committee to to pull off this event. And so I think tonight I'd be asking for one more board member to help me and Rick uh, and probably some other community members. We've got great support already from the Chamber of Commerce and uh, Derek Rogers is the director of Parks and Recreation. He's also an aircraft owner and T hangar tenant. Parks and Recs is celebrating their 75th anniversary and he wants to be involved and involve uh, the Parks and Recs um, staff as well. So I think we've got a good nucleus to uh, help pull off a great event. Uh, but I want to turn it really over to Logan Folletti for a minute to tell us a little bit more about what the uh, airspace uh, tour is all about. Logan, I know, planned the 2019 tour and we can trust her because she's from Frontenac, Kansas. So take it over, Logan. Hi, my name is Logan Folletti Wright with KDOT Aviation. So yes, I am a Frontenac native, so I am excited. Uh, I also spent some time in Lawrence, so I, I also want the points for that. Um, <laughs> you guys are the Thursday night stop on the 2021 Fly Kansas Air Tour. So you guys will be the last place that the pilots land. Uh, they're coming from Wellington to Fort Scott to Allen County to Lawrence that day. So uh, the stop can really be whatever you guys want it to be. We've had students come out just to sit in the planes. You know, our pilots are always very uh, willing to show their, you know, aircraft. Let A lot of them are really into, like, touch the plane, see the instruments kind of stuff. Uh, because you're a light, a later stop, that's probably not going to work for you. But we've had speakers, demonstrations. Salina's having an air show. Uh, I think we'll miss the majority of that. But, you know, pilot mixers, there's been silent auctions, uh, live music. You will be expected to provide transportation from the airport to uh, the dinner if you choose to do it off-site and also to the uh, accommodations overnight. So really, if you could get us to and from the airport, that would be spectacular. But other than that, a lot of the creativity of the air tour is up to you guys. So I'm just really here to answer any questions you may have or uh, just put ourselves out there. You can very much call the aviation office. You can send us a general email if you'd like at airportquestions at ks.gov. Uh, committee members have uh, Clancy and Scott, my personal address through the state. You can also email me there. But anything that you want to know about the air tour and what's coming or what you can expect, I'm here to answer. Nancy Maloney, board member. Hi, how are you? Hey, um, just how many airplanes do you think you're going to get? Uh, Logan Flaherty Wright, KDOT. Uh, last time we had this, it was 2019, obviously. Um, 
we had about 55-ish planes. And that's obviously a pilot and a lot of people choose to bring a co-pilot or a spouse. So I think we ended up with about 65-ish people and we expect it to grow this year. Uh, It's grown every year since we've started it back up for the last couple of years. So I would say we are aiming for 75-ish planes would be great for us. Thanks, Clancy Maloney. Awesome. This is Richard Haig. I think it is a, a pretty good honor to, to get this many people to come to the airport and a pretty good opportunity for us to showcase our city, our amenities, and our airport. Monty Sokup uh, for KU. I- you know, it might be a great opportunity for our new food truck vendor <laughs> to yeah. be there in the morning that they leave <laughs> yeah. or whatever, uh, you know, her thing. But it might be a good perk to get her uh, off to a good start, too. So I think it's a great, going to be a great event and uh, look forward to it. Even though I'll be off the board, I'll uh, <laughs> drop by. Yeah, yeah certainly. Logan Valetti Wright from KDOT. Uh, we don't expect. Lawrence to provide any of the morning like food that's not required we would love to have a food truck I was thinking that the whole time she was talking I was like I'm just saying there's going to be a lot of people on the runway that day if you want to come but uh we kind of try to book them in hotels that have breakfast provided or assume that they will scavenge on their own I personally really want a java breaks going I'm going to see what driver I can talk into getting me there but uh, it just depends on what you guys want to do for the send-off. You're not required to do anything that next day food-wise. Uh, this is Ron Renz, uh, tenant at the airport. Uh, Logan and and Scott and Rick and ever, ever, whoever did all this, awesome. That's great. Um, just a question um, that I think we ought to reach out to our airport tenants and our airport pilots on. They might want to take part in that. I've never heard of this before. I've been flying in Lawrence for 40 years. How do we get information on that? I think it'd be great if you could uh, get maybe that to to Lloyd and put on the bulletin board at the airport, Lloyd, because I think there's probably some pilots at our airport that might want to take part in that. I mean, me, I'm thinking, well, this would be fun. I might do it with my airplane. So, right. And by the way, uplift scones are better than Java break scones. Oh, they are. I'm just just saying, you know. Uh, Logan Folletti Wright from KDOT, we don't have a lot of information out for the pilots right now. You guys are kind of getting the inside scoop because you're a stop. So that uh, advertising will really ramp up in the summer, particularly around July and August. So there will be an online registration. Last year was through Eventbrite. That worked pretty well for us. So online registration, there should be a flyer. Um, On that flyer should be a QR code that goes directly to the website. So if we were to hang it on the uh, board at Hetrix, I should hope people would be able to access that and get signed up. But yeah, it's it's really great. It goes all the way out. I think our farthest west stop this year is Phillipsburg. But yeah, we get all around, you know, the state and see a lot of new airplanes and see a lot of airports we might not fly into otherwise. So we're really excited to have Lawrence on the tour. Awesome. Thank you, Logan. Hey, Logan, Logan, this is Rick Bryant. How are you? Hi. 
give uh, Greg Channel with a big uh, rap on the back of the head for me when you see him in the office. <laughs> and He'll deserve I, it. I don't want to. I don't want to steal your thunder on this. So, can you talk a little bit with this group about the Kansas Commission on Aerospace Education and and how that and KDOT are are ro being robust in in trying to energize the aviation sector in Kansas. I spent um, uh, two terms as um, a vice president and um, I carried Jesse Romo's water for him, you know, for one. Oh, yep. <laughs> so, you know, say, say thank you very much. Um, but uh, Ron Renz, um, uh, you probably haven't seen our application, but many of the things that you discussed are on our list. Um, I put together when Lawrence hosted the Kansas Association of Airports uh, annual summer convention back in 2013. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did all this stuff, so it's kind of second nature. But um, I'm going to step back. Logan, tell them about uh, KCAE and, and the great things that you guys are doing and how we can augment that with an overnight stop. And thank you for picking us. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Logan Fletty, right with KDOT Aviation. Uh, KCAE has been a really large force in educating, especially school-aged children in the area. They do direct action sponsorships, and they also sponsor and shore up a lot of classes like uh, Wichita has a rocket class that kids are allowed to participate in. And so while we do a lot of that, I'm also on KCAE. Um, so while they do a lot of that, uh, is particularly also around Aviation Day in the Capitol, which is in March. Uh, this is kind of the one they have for adults. So this is a lifelong love of flying. We have people who fly the air tour every single year, have been doing it from 2008, have all the stickers on the plane. Like it is the thing that they do. Uh, it's a large social event and especially connects people who might be disparate. You know, if you're at an airport, your next airport could be 50 miles away. So you you can't exactly like lean over to your friend in the next plane and be like, oh, how about those Jayhawks? Like this is a really strengthening part of the pilot community here in Kansas. So we're lucky to have so many people who want to host and a lot of things that we uh, focus on through KCAE and through KDOT are instilling, you know, a network of pilots the growth of the pilot and uh, airplane aircraft industry, especially because we are the air capital of the world. So uh, we would love to have an excuse to buy your gas and go to your food trucks and, you know, do look at your new hangar. We, we want to know everything there is to know. And then to hopefully connect this older generation with the younger generation or with people who might not consider that they have an airport, you know, until I joined the Division of Aviation, I didn't know how many airports there were in the state. Did you know there's 138? That's crazy. So to let lay people know, which is why we love to have visitors and mixers and that kind of stuff on the air tour, to let students know, to see a pilot in real life, you know, unless you've taken a commercial flight as a child, you've never met a pilot or you wouldn't know. You know, that's not an experience every kid gets to have. So promoting uh, youth and elder pilots, making sure that we have the whole circle of people in the state involved in the aerospace industry is really important to us. So 
absolutely. If you know any groups that might not come in contact with your airport or you think could really use a day of learning how your airport really functions, you know, we absolutely invite them on the stop with you. Is Richard Egg. Thank you, Logan. That's good. And uh, through the years, there have been more than one of our city commissioners that have come to us and said, I didn't know the city actually had an airport. And that's sitting commissioners that have, have come there. So educating our commissioners along the way would really be valuable as well. Maybe get some of the commissioners to come out and enjoy this event and really see the assets that the city has out there. I think it'd be really impressive for them. Lloyd Hetrick with Hetrick Air Service. Uh, Logan, good seeing you. I, uh, did, did I miss a date? Is there actual dates set for this? And what yeah. was it? September yeah, 23rd. It is September 23rd. Yep. September Those... 23rd. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I guess the only thing that it might come up from an operation standpoint is that, and I don't mean that you scare me at 75 airplanes. I'm excited. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, when we got them through a, a uh, midday stop they're not all going to hit me at the same time but this one being overnight i guess that's something we probably ought to address i i don't suppose we get our new ramp added on before september so we're going to have to figure out parking and stuff so I, yeah i'd be in, uh, willing to visit with you on that and see where we go with with that type of arrangement of course weather will always play a factor with all that i know but uh, mm -hmm. but yeah we just need to give that some serious thought with that many airplanes i think Absolutely. Uh, Logan Folletti Wright with KDOT Aviation. We advise pilots bring their own chocks, tie downs, things like that. Uh, always have them with them. But we will park where you need us to park. And we will have parking marshals. They haven't yet been decided. They'll most likely, most likely be Greg and Joe. So we can have a conversation with a couple other new people to make sure that we don't block anything that you don't want blocked and make sure everybody has a spot. So whatever is okay for you guys, we will make happen. And, you know, it's not a free for all there. We can absolutely implement rules. If you like them too, uh, we will make it work for you guys. So absolutely. If you want people to bring if you know, their own tie downs and chalks and stuff like that, you know, let us know and whatever you want us to stay out of, we'll stay out of. Yeah. That'd be great. We, we had uh, football back in the, I guess it'd be the 80s, 90s with Oklahoma and Nebraska. They'd bring down their own Air Force, and we, we had those kind of numbers, and uh, we'd obviously have to get them into the grass. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, as long as we're planning plan ahead, we got all that worked out, that's that's the big thing. So I, I look forward to it. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, this is Richard Egg. Um, on our end of it, um, who's uh, who's all on the committee right now for the uh, for the city and for the development? Wagner, uh, analyst. I've asked Clancy to be a part, and she's agreed. I've asked David Hayab, who is the uh, um, he'll be appointed next week uh, as the uh, key representative to this board. I'm looking, and of course Rick could be involved, and myself. I'm looking for probably one more board member. Uh, we can't have more than that or we'll end up violating the Kansas Open Meetings Act, which we'll have some training on in August um, tonight. And my plan is to uh, form a, a committee to work on this. And then by the August meeting, I would like to have the plans fully in place, ready to go uh, to present the board an update on what's gonna happen uh, September 23rd. So that, that's kind of my plan. 
Richard. Okay, this is Richard Hague. And is it Rogers from Parks and Rec will be involved as well, so. Yeah, this is Amanda Sahin. We've also had um, somebody, who was it, Scott, do you remember from KU who was on some of the emails? And then um, also the, the um, I can't even think right now, uh, Steve Kelly with the chamber. Um, and then, um, we, so I think we've got some other members too that we'll be able to reach out to. I'm sure Explore Lawrence will want to be involved. Um, so we will, uh, I think, have a lot of engagement like throughout the community where we'll be able to pull in a lot of different businesses and, and stuff like that. So we've got a lot of people excited about it. Awesome. So do we need to nominate a another board member to participate or? Yeah, we, we didn't have this as like a, a formal um, action. We were just kind of asking for if there was somebody who wanted to volunteer that everyone wanted to support. Um, you know, obviously we jumped on Clancy being involved because um, there had already been some conversations with Derek Rogers and Clancy about since the Aries Classic was postponed to maybe do something this fall involving um, with Parks and Rec help. So they were already kind of having those conversations. So it seemed to make sense that, hey, here's a date for us that we can, we can maybe do that and um, just kind of catch that, you know, momentum that was already going. And then um, with David, as, as Scott mentioned, being kind of a new member of the board that we feel like has some good connections, um, you know, those were two of the people that we approached. But, yeah, we'd like to see if there's someone else who wants to also help out and help plan this. Does anybody want to jump in? This is Chris Coleman, uh, board member. Uh, I'd be willing to help out uh, Clancy and, and serve uh, on a committee. Mm, that would be awesome. Anybody else? All right. If, I guess we do not need to vote on that, so Chris, I appreciate that. Um, I would like to be involved on the fringe just because the excitement I have is we did up until we got stormed out a couple of years ago and COVID last year have a youth aviation camp and maybe we, working with everybody we can get that revitalized and mm -hmm. and get that going again. So so I'd, I'd be pretty excited to see how everything works out. So. Yeah, I think um, this is Amanda Sahin. I don't think necessarily the other board members can't have any involvement. We just got to be careful how many people we have involved at one time, and I'm sure Scott can help manage that process. Yeah. So, Scott Wagner, uh, analyst. Uh, thank you, everyone. That's all I think staff needed on this item, and thank you for uh, Logan for participating in a longer than normal uh, aviation board meeting tonight. And I'm sure we will be in touch. I appreciate you. Uh, selecting Lawrence as a stop, and I appreciate you being on the call tonight. Thank you, Logan. Okay. The next item on our agenda is the transition of airport manager duties to Scott Wagner. So this is Amanda's last meeting and getting ready to, to move on and have an exciting step in her life. And yeah, this is Amanda Sahin. I as I say airport manager each time when I talk, I'm like, but am I really? Because Scott can say the same thing right now, I think. Um, we're kind of in that transition point. I've been telling other people that as of Monday, Scott was the airport manager, but knowing this meeting was coming up and there was just a lot of history and a lot of items, um, you know, I decided to still kind of 
keep, I guess, that, that title through this meeting as far as the board goes. Um, you know, Scott is going to take all of this and run with it. He's been involved um, along the way on, on most of these and the ones that he hasn't. I've been bombarding him with information on over the last couple months. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually moving next week. So my last day at the city is Friday. Kind of worked out that this meeting was two days before the the end of my tenure with the city. Um, but uh, we are moving to Washington, D.C., so I won't be around to go to this event, unfortunately, but it sounds like you guys are going to put on a, a great event. And um, I hope that I have made some contributions in the time that I've been airport manager. It hasn't been very long. It's been like, I don't know, not even a year and a half, I think, about a year and a half. Um, but hopefully I've, I've made some contributions along the way, and now I can pass it on to Scott to keep keep making some improvements. And I think we just have, the airport itself is in a lot different place than it was a couple of years ago as far as the activity, the amount of projects, the development. And so um, it's taken a little bit different approach to keep it moving out there. Um, and so hopefully, you know, Rick, Rick's going to kind of stay on board there for a little bit longer helping Scott. And um, we'll... Uh, they, I guess this is like the official passing the torch to, to Scott at this point. So he gets to take all these to city commission, um, all these items. So wish him luck. Well, Richard Haig, chairman of the board. Well, Scott, we're looking pretty excited to, to work with you and see you bring everything to the board. It really has been a good experience working with Amanda, and she did jump in with both feet and took over where um, – Chuck had left off and uh, kind of left her holding everything and she tried to figure out where all the papers were and what the documents were and with the help of Rick and a lot of other people. I'm, I'm really thankful, Amanda, for the job you've done and putting everything together. It's been pretty incredible and just the changes in the year and a half that the airport has taken with the new hangar and all the activities and the grants we've gotten, the, the benefits have been incredible. And, we wish you the best of luck in D.C., and hopefully when you get bored with D.C. at the end of your, your tour out there, they, you'll come back and check in on us. And yeah, you may see me back. Uh, yeah. I've moved to Kansas four times now, so I'm not uh, ruling it out again. There <laughs> <laughs> you go. Well, just remember what Dorothy says. There's no place like home. Right. All right. Thank you, Richard. This is Ron Renz, tenant at the airport. Amanda, it's been a pleasure working with you. And just we got you trained. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it really has been a pleasure working with you as a tenant. I appreciate uh, what, you've, what you've tried to do out here and, and, and the effort and the excitement that you put in to your job. And, you know, COVID has been a tough year for everybody. You've done a great job. Thank you. Appreciate that, and, Ron. And Scott, welcome to the club. This is Scott Wagner, analyst for the city, and I want to thank Amanda, too. Uh, she has just been great to work with the past few weeks and months, and uh, she has passed off a lot of information to me, and I'm grateful for that, and it's been a pleasure to work with her, and we're going to miss her uh, as city staff and as an organization, so I wish her all the best. And just a brief introduction to myself, I have been with the city quite some time, uh, 21 years to be exact as of March 6th and I've been working with airport managers uh, through the years on various projects so I'm somewhat familiar with the workings of the airport. I think I first started working with Debbie Van Zahn, assistant city manager when she was airport manager and I've worked with all the others since and 
I do have a hotline to Chuck Souls as he currently works for my wife in Smithville. <laughs> so we need to get a hold of Chuck. We can, but I look forward to working with you guys, uh, the board, and of course with Rick uh, moving forward. And I, I'm excited uh, with all the things going on at the airport. And certainly uh, the August agenda will probably be just as full as this one. Awesome. We look forward to it. Thank you, Scott. Yeah. Uh, Lori Gantrick, the airport. Amanda, uh, you know, I know, like Ron iterated, it's been a tough year, and, and I know with the uh, runway expansion and overlay was, was struggling. I, I appreciate all your diligence staying with us on that and, and helping us with this hangar project moving ahead before you leave, and the, uh, getting that going and breaking ground. Scott, I wish you, I look forward to working with you as well. But uh, Amanda, good luck. Wish you and your family the best out there. And stop in when you can. Thanks. Thanks, Lloyd. All right, should we okay. go to the next one? Next one is the uh, board member update and upcoming board elections. Yeah, I just wanted to do a quick update here because um, we are, we do have three board members whose terms are um, ending at the end of April or end of May. And um, so that's Monty and then um, Don Kinney and uh, Mike Kelly are the three whose terms are ending. Um, I do know that Don, I believe, is not asking for reappointment. Um, so this will be Don's last meeting, Monty's last meeting, because KU has, um, David has previously mentioned. Um, I do not know about Mike yet. Um, I don't think we've gotten an answer whether Mike would, would desire to be reappointed. So I know that the city manager's office um, kind of handles all of that and is working through who the mayor will appoint, and Scott's kind of helping through that process. So. Um, at the next meeting, you will have two or three new board members. Um, so we wanted to hold off on um, elections until that time so that um, those new members could come in. There's also some other things going on with, we used to be only six members and then went to seven and that kind of messed up the terms now. We now have, we currently have four members who expire in the same year, which is not allowed per the bylaws. So Scott's also working on an ordinance with uh, the city manager's office and legal to extend the most recent appointees, Chris and Clancy, so they will get a four-year term, so then they'll stagger. There'll be a three expiring one year, two the next, and two the next. So stagger out the terms a little bit, try to get the board kind of back on track. So there's a lot of moving pieces right now um, that's all kind of all happening. And so um, I believe that was communicated to Clancy and, and Chris. Um, so Scott will handle that to go into city commission. And yeah, you guys will see who the new board members are um, at the next meeting, and you guys will have to go through the elections at that time. So I just wanted to kind of give an update on all of that, so. Awesome, appreciate that. Well, Don, this is your last meeting. This is Richard Hagen, Chair. And Monty. And, and Monty. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting Monty, because he's still gonna be around with KU for a while. Yeah. Keep everybody going. But you guys, we really appreciate it. Don and Monty, both of you guys have seen Probably the biggest changes the airport's seen in decades with the the hangar and the runway repairs and and just all the upgrades with the, the uh, wildlife hazard fence being built. That it's a uh, it's been pretty good, neat to see the progress at the airport over the last few years and hopefully we can continue to have that that progress with Eurotech out there and the Hedrick ad, ad, uh, additions that they keep going and the growth that they've been showing that. We've actually had other businesses stop by and, and act interested in, in leasing space at the airport and, and doing some other things. So 
it's getting pretty excited and hopefully the airport can continue to grow the way it has been but we really appreciate your guys' time and the, the help that you've brought to the board Monty Sokup. Uh, thank you, Richard. Appreciate it. I've certainly learned a ton about airports <laughs> and airport operation in Lawrence that I was not really familiar with. I'm a, I'm a real estate person, uh, really. And uh, But I will also like to say that uh, David, who is coming on, I think will be an excellent, excellent uh, member uh, for this, this group. He really does uh, kind of economic development things for the university so he works on like you know the soft drink contracts and all, all that kind of stuff and works quite a bit quite uh, quite a bit with Kansas athletics and and all that so i think he's going to bring a skill set to this to this group that certainly i was unable to bring uh and will be maybe new to this group and might you know spur some new ideas so uh, i think he's going to be you know a really uh, great board member uh for you guys so thanks appreciate everything uh and the opportunity to to have been to serve so thank you like you're selling yourself short this is richard egg that you and don both brought unique perspectives to the board that were very valuable so your skill set was appreciated as well just different will probably be you know something we can look forward to thank you thank you richard and thank you thanks to everybody else too it's been a pleasure you done. Okay, we'll move on to uh, FBO report. And uh, Lloyd. Now, Lloyd Hetrick, but Hetrick Air Service again. Um, well, I think probably biggest stuff going on, excitement wise, would be the hangar and the uh, start of that. Uh, and it, obviously, we're up to par with that. So, other than that, we're seeing, we're starting to see some, some traffic now. Uh, I think things are opening up with, with, travel because of COVID and the uh, vaccine and stuff. So we're, we're starting to see that. Hopefully Paul will bring us a uh, school opening and get some of that school traffic that we, we lost for a year or so here. Um, I might mention we are, we have uh, expanded uh, well, a portion of our operation over into Kansas City. We've got, uh, we took on the Robinson helicopter dealership here uh, a couple of years ago in the R22 model and, and or excuse me, that was the R44 at that time. We just recently took on the R22 model as well. Uh, we got two new helicopters ordered. First one to take delivery later this month and uh, R44 is coming in August. So we got a, a uh, we kind of merged with some other uh, individuals over in Kansas City to form a flight school uh, rental in the helicopter business at downtown airport. So uh, we're looking forward to doing getting back into that portion of it. So we'll be operating over there and doing flight instruction with the helicopters, uh, rotorcraft. Uh, we'll do charter on them. We'll do uh, photo, uh, you know, pipeline. Everything comes along with the helicopters. So, um, but other than that, I think we're, we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel and uh, hopefully growth will continue here with the school year coming up. So. That, that sounds, this is Richard Hagen. That's pretty awesome bringing the rotary craft in and that said something new for, for students to, to experience having the, uh, the helicopter operations there. So something new and completely more growth at the airport and different venue. Thank you. 
Okay, next item is board items. Are there any items that the board members have or public have that we didn't address yet? Yeah, this is Dan Bourne, board member. I just wanted uh, to ask of, uh, Amanda or uh, Scott about the four states uh, airport conference. Um, I know the city has sponsored uh, board members to go to that in the past. And I wonder if that's still an option that's coming up in the last part of August. I think it's a, a fairly, I know I went to one a couple of years ago and it was, uh, I thought really a valuable experience. This is Amanda Sahin. I'm, I know Scott Wagner is gonna attend um, a different, which one is that Scott here soon? Scott Wagner, analyst. I'm going to attend the Kansas uh, Aviation uh, Association conference in June in Newton. And Rick did forward me some preliminary information about the Four States Conference. Um, I'll, I'll be happy to uh, work with the board members who, who may want to attend that as well, since it's Rick can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's in the Kansas City area. Yeah, yes, it is. Contact me, I guess, if you're interested in attending. Okay. For those that are unfamiliar, the Four States Conference is put on by the FAA, and they have different modules and classes on FAA's perspective and guidelines, things that they do. And it's a chance to get to meet the FAA airports people and uh, kind of get a, a face to go with a name that you may talk to on the phone or hear things come through and to see their perspective on things, you know, from ground leases to airport operations to runway maintenance, they, they cover all aspects of the uh, airport environment. And uh, it is uh, very educational and, and eye-opening. Any other board business? And our, our next meeting is scheduled for August 4th, and on August 4th we will have uh, elections nomination of of board members for for the office or different positions and hopefully have a few new board members to, to introduce at that time and uh don and and monty will miss you guys you can still attend though don't be strangers and uh appreciate your time and and uh sacrifice to promote the airport and keep the aviation alive in Lawrence. So with that said, uh, I'll take a motion to adjourn. I'll move we adjourn this morning, okay. so good. Monty, we get a second. I'll second. Seconded by Dan Bourne. And uh, do we really need to do a roll call for adjourn? This is Richard Haig, chairman, and we are, we are adjourned. Thank you. Appreciate all the help. Thank you, guys. All right. And with that, that was a big Amanda's one. That was a big one. Huh, that's the board. <laughs>